Well, today's the uh, third Sunday in the season of Lent, and we continue this morning with our series of realignment. And as we have said, this last year has been something else, hasn't it? And many of us, at least at times, have felt like a car going down a bumpy road filled with potholes. And I, like many of you, have felt a bit out of kilter, off balance, and sometimes not myself as a result of the massive upheaval we have endured. You might even say that some of us have felt like a car out of alignment. So this series has been and is all about how to get back into alignment with who we want to be, how we want to be, and how God invites us to be in these very uneven times. While each week sermon is about a different topic, in the first week of this series, I spoke about the importance of the concept of turning around, turning back, and getting back. That when something is amiss, it's so important to name it and to claim it, and with God's help to rectify it. I spoke about repentance. Last week, Charlotte spoke about Christian unity and how are we called to unity and how we're called to approach Christian division and what we're to do when issues are so significant we feel we must draw a line in the sand. Well, with that said, this week I want to turn to something else. Something else that may need some realignment. And that something else is our hearts. My heart this last year at times has been wounded and hurt by what's going on. And sometimes my heart has even been in a place I don't want it to be. And I know I'm not alone. And one way to know how our hearts are doing is to observe how we act and what we say. In the name of a political party or candidate, in the name of America, in the name of any number of subjects, even in the name of Jesus, I have witnessed, as you have, I have seen and heard countless actions and words that tell me that a lot of hearts are off track, out of alignment, and not in tandem with the hearts God has given us to love. You see, I believe when it comes right down to it that God wants us to have a heart like Jesus. And so this morning I'd like to explore with you Jesus' heart. And while we can't cover it all, we can certainly gain a glimpse of Jesus' heart by looking at his life through the lens of the Gospels. So I invite you, or during our time this morning, my time with you, to view the next few moments as like a slideshow, as we go from story after story, as we go from one quality of Jesus' heart to another. And we're going to cover a lot of ground, perhaps too much. And since there are a bunch, I've, I've grouped the qualities of Jesus' heart on slides so you can see them. Now. As we get into each of these qualities, I invite us all to, to think about Jesus' heart and what that quality is saying about who Jesus was and is. And then to ask ourselves with each quality, where, where am I in reflecting Jesus' heart in that way? Am I, am I good with that or do I need some help from God to grow my heart more and more into having that specific quality? And so with that in mind, let's go from quality to quality 
and take a look at Jesus' heart. Well, a fellow named Lazarus was one of Jesus' friends. And one day, Lazarus is ill, so sick, in fact, that he dies. Before he died, however, Lazarus' sisters sent a message to Jesus, asking him to come because Lazarus was so sick. Well, Jesus did come, but by the time he got there, his friend Lazarus was dead and buried in a tomb. In the Gospel of John, we're told that Lazarus' sister Mary runs out to greet Jesus when he finally arrives. Mary cries. People with her cry. And when, John, when Jesus saw this, John states that Jesus was deeply moved, that his spirit was disturbed. He was very, very overwhelmed by the grief that was before him. And then John writes that Jesus wept. And what this and so many other stories tell us is that Jesus has a heart that breaks. Jesus' heart is tender and soft. It feels deeply and profoundly. It hurts. It can be fractured and shattered. Jesus' heart is anything but calloused and hard and impenetrable. So this and other stories tell us that to have a heart like Jesus means that we have a heart that is not defensive with a wall around it, that we, we feel deeply, that we have a heart that can break and fracture and feel. Going back some time in Jesus' ministry, the Gospels tell us that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And we also know that soon after Jesus was baptized, that Jesus finds himself in the desert for 40 days, a very barren desert where he's hungry and he's thirsty and he has so many needs and wants and desires. It's a desert in which he is tempted by the devil. And whether the temptation was food or whether the temptation was to test God by jumping off a high place or whether the temptation was having all the power in the world and to be esteemed by people, Jesus did not give in. He was tempted, but he did not acquiesce to what was offered. Jesus, we know through the scriptures, has a heart that knows when temptation is happening. And he has a heart that can resist it. He has a heart that is wise. He has a heart that knows where temptation leads if we give into it. Destruction of ourselves and others. So these and so many stories tell us that to have a heart like Jesus means that we have a heart that knows when we're being tempted, that even feels temptation, but can resist it. Story after story after story in the Gospels also tells that Jesus had a habit of doing something. He intentionally sought out anyone who was considered an outsider or marginalized by the greater culture, particularly the religious culture. Whether a leper, a paralyzed man, a woman, as women had no rights, a child, a tormented person, a person from the wrong side of the track, Jesus had a heart for those who were ostracized and had few, if any, rights. 
And because he had such a heart, he did the right thing, even when, when those in power said it was the wrong thing to be doing. Now, when Jesus was around, there were those Pharisees, those religious leaders who claimed that they were the only ones who understood what the scriptures meant, who used Bible verses as weapons, who yelled and screamed and destroyed in the name of God, who excluded people from their temples, and who tried to align themselves with those in political power. Yes, it was those Pharisees, those same Pharisees, who gave Jesus a hard time in our reading today from Mark. They ridiculed Jesus because he dared to heal somebody on the Sabbath. They ridiculed him because he refused, not he refused to care for a human being, not what those in power were telling him to do or not to do. The Pharisees and Jesus were polar opposites, and Jesus let them know time after time after time. Throughout Scripture, and thir certainly throughout the Gospels, whether it was seeking out and caring for those on the margins, or challenging those with hardened hearts, of those in, with the most power, it's clear that Jesus' heart was a heart that was passionate about justice, doing the right thing, putting people ahead of anything else. And despite the cost, the rejection of many people, and the ultimate price of crucifixion, Jesus' heart confronted what was wrong head on. Do we? A passion for justice was at Jesus' core. This is why one day he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those sent to you. In Judaism, prophet after prophet spoke about issues of justice and how matters of justice were being ignored. And such prophets often met with horrible deaths because they told the truth. And Jerusalem was the center of all this. And like the prophets before him, Jesus called out injustice. All of this and more tells us that to have a heart like Jesus means to have a heart that is passionate about justice and doing the right thing when it comes to a human being, to put people and the person ahead of everything else. So where are we this morning with having a heart that can break? Where are we this morning with the ability to know what temptation is? Where are we with hearts of justice and doing the right thing? Well, when you sit down and read any of the Gospels, other things become apparent. Jesus did a lot of healing. He healed people from physical diseases, mental torment, anguish, and hopelessness. He healed people from short and long-standing challenges. He healed people who had given up, those who were wit's ends. But he did another kind of healing, too. There is a well-known story of when Jesus' apostles are out on, a sea of, on the Sea of Galilee, and a storm comes up. They're afraid and in peril. And Jesus shows up at the height of their fear, and he calms the storm, and most importantly, calms the disciples down in their fears. In another story, Jesus, in one of his post-resurrection appearances, calms his followers down because they are afraid. So many stories tell us that Jesus had and has a heart that heals and calms and eases and relieves and soothes and uplifts others. Jesus has a selfless heart, one that is focused on other people. 
And so to have a heart like Jesus means to have a heart that can selflessly bring about healing and calm into the life of the person right in front of us. But Jesus also had a surrendered heart. In the Gospels, we hear about a tough day that was about to get tougher. Jesus had celebrated his last meal with his closest friends. They shared bread and wine during the Passover meal. And later that night, Jesus and his followers went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And kneeling down in the garden, Jesus prayed. And he sweat blood, we're told. But Jesus prayed, God, God, please remove this cup from me. But please, not what I want, but what you want, God. Jesus knew what was ahead. And while it was not his first desire to be strung up on a cross, he yielded completely to God. And this reflects the words of the prayer he taught his disciples sometime earlier. The Lord's Prayer, the words of the Lord's Prayer, we say all the time, has these well-known words, God, God, your will be done in my life. And to have a heart like Jesus means to have a heart that surrenders to God's will, that makes every effort to yield to God. God, what is it that you want? And help me to do that. Then in Mark's gospel, we're told that one day Jesus is inside somewhere talking with people. Jesus' mothers and brothers and sisters arrived to see him. And someone said to Jesus, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are here to see you. And Jesus replies, who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? And then he looked at the people around him. And he said, you are my brothers and sisters. This and similar stories tell us that Jesus has a heart that looks at people, all people, as his own family, his brothers and his sisters. To have a heart like Jesus means we look at people, very different people from who we are, through the lens that everyone is our brother and sister. Having a heart that breaks, having a heart that knows temptation, having a heart of justice, having a heart that heals and brings calm into the life of the person right in front of us, having a surrendered heart, viewing others as brothers and sisters, these are some of the qualities of Jesus' heart. But we also know that near the end of Jesus' life that Jesus prays. Here Jesus prays not only for himself, but for those around him. He prays for their safety and protection and unity. He prays that they will know they are loved by God. And throughout the gospel, Jesus prays, goes off by himself to pray, gathers his followers to pray, prays in every setting. Jesus' heart is one that is continually praying. And to have a heart like Jesus means that our hearts are prayerful wherever we find ourselves. And then on one occasion, Jesus and his disciples arrived in a town named Capernaum. And after they settled into a house, Jesus asked his disciples what they'd been talking about. They did not answer. Well, what they were talking about was who among them was the greatest. And Jesus then sat down and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. On another day, the same issue raised its head again. The apostles James and John were brothers, and they said, Jesus, we want you to do us a favor. When you, we want to sit next to you in places of honor in your next life. And Jesus responded, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people 
and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Even I came not to be served, but to serve. These are all stories about humility. Jesus' heart was humble, and to have a humble heart, to have Jesus' heart, means that such humility will characterize who we are, whether we are the leader of a nation, a business executive, a small business owner, a homemaker, a teacher, or a construction worker. To have the heart of Jesus is to have a humble servant's heart. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus over and over and over not paying much attention to what or who a person is on the outside, but rather he has a razor-sharp focus on who the person is in front of him on the inside. Jesus was not interested in resumes of accomplishment, but rather resumes of the heart. And one time, some religious leaders, all successful in terms of title and status, invited Jesus over to dinner. And not long after arriving, a woman with a bad reputation shows up and kneels before him. Her tears flowed, and she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. The religious leaders are not happy by what they see. And Jesus responds by saying, yes, her life has been a mess, and she knows it. But her heart is in the right place, and that's what matters. Another day... Jesus is challenged by religious leaders who criticize him and his disciples for not following all the traditions and religious rules. Jesus then goes on to say that it's not what is on the outside of a person matters, but where a person's heart is. So over and over and over, Jesus showed that his heart was most concerned about the hearts of others, not what is to be seen on the outside. To have a heart like Jesus means we pay far more attention to what is within people we encounter than to what is on the surface and visible. A few more here. To have a heart like Jesus means we have commitment-keeping hearts. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus did what he said he was going to do. His words were never empty promises. He was trustworthy because of his commitment-keeping heart. The most profound example of this is that Jesus kept his commitment to overcome death and rise again. And when we want to have hearts like Jesus, our hearts keep commitments too. And finally, the last two qualities of Jesus' heart I'll mention today are things that we talk all, all the time about here at the chapel. Jesus' heart was immersed in a spirit of forgiveness and love. Jesus' life on earth was about forgiving and loving always. His death on the cross was about loving and forgiving. His rising again was about loving and forgiving. The presence of his spirit within us is about forgiving and loving. And to have a heart like Jesus means that we have hearts that forgive and love. I know we've covered a ton of ground, and we do have sermon notes online if you want to pursue them again. And we have seen that Jesus' heart was and is all about having a heart that is not defensive or impenetrable, but rather having a heart that can break. It's about a heart that recognizes and resists when the possibility of being led astray is there. It's about having a heart that does the right thing and pursues justice, even in the receipt of criticism and condemnation. 
Jesus' heart was and is all about offering healing and calm to the person right in front of us through our words and our actions and our prayers. Jesus' heart was all about surrendering to God's will. God, your will be done. Teach me what that is. About continually praying. About seeing all people as brothers and sisters. About humility. About paying most attention to the inside of a person, not what's on the outside. Commitment keeping. Forgiveness and love. So, we're left with a question an important question, and that is how can each of us, how can you and how can I each and every day move more toward having a heart like Jesus? Well, the first thing I want to say is that it's possible to move in that direction, and God can help us move in that direction. It has a lot to do with what we allow to influence us. It has a lot to do with what we pay attention to. It has a lot to do with whose voices we listen to and how we engage in the world. But there's something else that I think that can be helpful that I have found helpful in my own life when thinking about working on having Jesus' heart. And this comes from the writer Max Lucado, who writes the following. Listen to what he says in the context of all I've shared this morning. Imagine that starting tomorrow morning that Jesus wakes up in your bed. He puts on your shoes. He puts on your clothes. He takes on your schedule. Everything's really the same with one big exception. Your heart is now the heart of Jesus. So if Jesus' heart was within you, what would change? What would be different? What would people notice about you? What might you notice about yourself and how you view yourself? How would you feel about yourself and others? What might you think? What might you do? What becomes suddenly more important in life and what becomes less important? Just imagine that Jesus' heart is within you. And the truth is that whether or not you realize it, Jesus' heart already is. It's a matter of getting in touch with what's already fully present in your life and in your spirit. Imagining Jesus' heart within us, knowing that Jesus' heart is already within us can prompt some movement within us. Visualizing that we already have the heart of Jesus can guide us and lead us into taking on some of the qualities we've talked about. What we picture in our lives is what we move toward. As we close, I'm going to put up a slide again with all the characteristics of Jesus' heart we talked about this morning. I trust that it's there. Just for a moment, look at it before we pray. Just look at it and see if any of those qualities just grab you more than any others. If any of them just get your attention more than any others. If God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, that's the one I want you to
You know, the, the more we work on our hearts, the more we will find ourselves in alignment. The more we'll feel at home within ourselves. And the reason for that is that we will be who God wants us to be. And we'll know why God made us to begin with. So I'd like to take a few moments in prayer now with these qualities of Jesus' heart and mind. And let us pray.